0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is your KPIs are broken with my friend John Stauffer. John is the co-founder and COO of Isometric Technologies, but all their friends call them ISO. That's capital I, capital S, capital O. That's ISO.io. ISO enables shippers, brokers, and carriers the ability to accurately measure the total cost of transportation. I think everyone's saying, all my systems do that. Not true. Our supply chains and logistics networks run on data, but unfortunately, a lot of that data is incomplete or dirty, or just as bad, subjective. John and the ISO team will help you clean up your data and develop KPIs that are both objective and actionable. So check out my interview with John Stoffer. How's it going, John? It's great. Thanks for having me, Joe. I'm excited to talk to you about this topic. We talk a lot about KPIs, but we don't talk about how we manage those KPIs. And you and your team have told me KPIs are broken. So We'll get into that, but first, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm John Stoffer. I am the uh, co-founder and CEO of Isometric Technologies. We go by ISO for short. We are a collaborative performance management solution for supply chains. We help shippers. <laughs> <laughs> collaborative performance management solution, which is marketing for basically a more modern scorecarding and KPI management solution to help to help supply chains and the partners kind of align on a source of truth.
0: I like it. I like it. That I always think this is it's it's not about creating the KPIs it's about the conversation which is where you have collaborative first. I love that. So I'm sorry, continue on. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no problem.
1: Yeah. ISA, we started the company in January of twenty twenty. Great timing. And then we found ourselves behind a, a Zoom screen, building the company remotely very quickly thereafter. But yeah, we are we are uh, a little over three and a half years into this and uh we sell to not only shippers, uh the CPG companies that you'll see on the the shelves that Walmart, Target, Costco, but we're also launching a new solution here that is marketed more towards the brokerage community here to help better understand service levels, benchmarks against the rest of the market and help that drive revenue
0: and uh, sales growth. Yeah. And I think increasingly we have customers who not only want the services, but they also want the data, obviously, and the, the, the data that tells you where my shipment is, the visibility that tells you where my shipment is, but then that monthly or weekly report that gives me insights into my business and i think we used to use the term visibility or transparency almost inner, inner but we never really talked too much about that information at the higher level that helps me make better decisions it's all about visibility into today's shipments which is useful super useful but visibility and some insights that allow me to run better is what i need
1: yeah, absolutely. And that's our uh, philosophy on this too, right? The KPIs themselves aren't enough to help you make, uh, actionable decisions, uh, based on the, those metrics alone, right? They, they, you need context. You need to understand the root cause of what's driving a specific KPI one direction or the other so that you can actually help take, take action and uh, corrective action and, you know, drive the
0: behaviors that you want to see. Yep. Yep. So we'll get into why the KPIs are broken, but first, John, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you co-founded ISO.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am a uh, native Chicagoan, uh, born and raised, um, and then went to uh, college at Miami University in Ohio. Go Redhawks! Nice. Hull. Yeah. Moved back to uh, Chicago after graduating and found myself in the logistics industry. Obviously, logistics is huge in Chicago landed at echo logistics as one of the early carrier reps when they were investing in full truckload as a service i spent almost a little over eight years there all on the carrier operations side of the house before uh, moving out to san francisco which is where i'm uh, located right now and i ended up landing at a autonomous trucking company when i moved out to the bay area it was really yeah i was really excited about Being in Silicon Valley and around all of this technology and innovation and some mutual connections with some of the folks over at Auto was the name of the the trucking company. And I had the opportunity to join them and transition from an ops role into a product role, which was really exciting for me, right? I wanted to expand my skill uh beyond operations and have a little bit more applicability into the, the tech industry out here. So join them as a PM working on this digital freight marketplace concept that ultimately they would plug the self-driving trucks into. And then shortly thereafter, probably about four or five months, we were acquired by Uber. And... I found myself at the kind of ground floor of what ultimately became Uber Freight. And that's actually where I met my co founder and CEO, Brian Crystal. He came from the Uber rides business, and it was actually the first sales hire at Uber globally. And he had been researching new ways to monetize a global fleet of Toyota Priuses. And his previous conquest was Uber Eats, and he had been partnering with the Targets and Walmarts of the world. figuring out how we could put stuff in these Priuses and one of the things that kept coming up with those conversations was when are you guys getting into freight the middle mile is pretty addressable for you guys as well that was uh, a pretty good synergy for what I was working on and that's where he and I got connected and I spent a little over three and a half years at Uber Freight building out the operating system or the TMS that powered the brokerage. So a lot of lot of incredible learnings and uh, a great experience being part of that team and seeing it grow from the early days to what it is
0: now. Yeah. By the way, you could not have found two better companies to work for. There's lots of good companies, but Echo Global Logistics has killed it. I spoke to yeah. Doug, Doug Wagner not so long ago and Uber has been on the podcast. They are Fantastic, and it's funny because we all look at Uber. When when people say Uber, they think of getting a ride. They don't think of Uber Freight, which is probably a better business.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny being in the industry and having lived that. Like when I think of Uber, I think of
0: Uber Freight, just
1: because of how much time I spent there. But uh, yeah, no, it's it is a great business and an awesome team. Phenomenal people and leaders over there. It's great to see them continue to grow and execute
0: on the vision and be as relevant as they are in the industry. Yep. So when and why did you and your partner decide to start isometric technologies or ISO for short? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Brian and I, we actually left Uber at the same time together. We went to a collaborative TMS company called Turbo, actually. Oh, and yeah. We Turbo's there. been on the podcast many yeah. times. Yeah. We we actually went there and we were there for about 10 or so months and when we left Uber, we, given our experience at Uber being on the ground floor and seeing it scale from the very early days to what it became, that gave us this entrepreneurial bug, right? We saw what it took to get something off the ground from, from basically scratch. So that was the inspiration or gave us the idea or confidence that we could go do something on our own. We ended up, like I said, about 10 months at Turbo and we were kicking some ideas around internally during that time and had been researching the concept with a number of different customers, shippers, and validating this concept around basically collaborative scorecarding, right? This is something that we, the challenge that we you know, sent out to solve was streamlining this really intense workflow that gets kicked off through this, the scorecarding process between a shipper and their transportation providers, something that I lived as an operator at Echo and as a product manager got to view this from like a different altitude and the impact that this workflow has across teams and so that was like the genesis for the idea but ultimately we had enough conversations with enough shippers enough carriers enough brokers to realize okay there's there's real value here and this is a a viable business on its own so in january of 2020 we incorporated we closed a, a small seed round of financing in march and then the world got flipped upside down and we we built the team out behind, behind a Zoom screen and onboarded our first customers and scaled the team over the years. So very, very exciting and challenging, but gratifying experience.
0: Yeah. So one more time, what problem do you guys solve for your customers? And I know you have two different kinds of customers. Shippers are one of them and logistics bro- brokers, or do you work with 3PLs and others? They're just brokers for now.
1: Yeah, we're just brokers for now. So shippers are our first customers, right? And the problem that we solve for them is we help them align around KPIs and metrics to better understand service, their transportation service levels, right? Um, Beyond that, we help them root cause any service related issues, whether that's tender declinations, on-time pickup, on-time delivery issues, help them root cause those and map those to a responsible party. Um, further, we're mapping the financial impact of those, those failures to the responsible parties. So at the end of the day, our shippers have a data set that has been verified across their transportation partners, meaning everybody agrees on it. Uh, there's this collaborative workflow that we facilitate that gives everybody kind of a say in the matter. And it helps them understand not only what happened, right, what the KPIs were, uh, but why it happened, uh, who was responsible, and how much it cost their business. And ultimately, at the you know end of the day, they're using this as the back end for their procurement exercises to help them understand how to optimize their networks, whether they're delivering into a Walmart, right? And there's gonna be heavy implications for poor service levels. They may wanna optimize for a higher service, a stronger service provider versus lowest cost provider, right? That's the core value that we deliver for our shippers today. And then on the, uh, the broker side of the market, we are uh, releasing a product here this month that helps them understand their service levels uh, from a benchmarking standpoint, right? So how are they performing relative to the industry on any given lane, uh, service type equipment type so that they can leverage that from a sales standpoint to drive revenues, but also operationally identify issues or gaps in their, in their networks and help them kind of shore those up internally.
0: Yeah. Before we hit record, I was telling you my own experience with KPIs. And by the way, I always say it on my podcast. I'll say it again. Only the very best metrics grow up to be KPI. So I don't need, you can measure everything you want, but ultimately it's hard to manage to 30, 40 metrics. Better to be able to say, I managed to these four or five key performance indicators or key process indicators sometimes people say. I was at a little third-party logistics company and we were doing, we had a new customer and we had a weekly meeting with them to go over the, I 200 plus LTL shipments. And I said, I just want to measure a few things. I want to measure which carrier, that's easy, right? Who actually moved it? That's the easy part. I also want to understand, was it on time? And so I, I with LTL, I can say it was supposed to deliver in two days, did it or not, right? I wanted to be 97% on time. Next, I wanted to measure the cost per mile, which is a little sketchy sometimes when you look at LTL, but these were all going to one location factory. So it was useful. Then I wanted billing accuracy because LTL shipments are often have bad billing. And that was, I, I said, that's on us to make sure we have the right tariffs. And then last but not least on time performance, which would be 99% plus. Right. And I remember when I came up with these KPIs, took them past my customer, they're like, perfect. We love those. And we thought, this is great. Uh, uh, by the way, I'm from automotive. So I, d- I wasn't real familiar with the transportation management system. And my team said, yeah, it doesn't give me that information. I said, no, but that's what the, what the TMS is for. Don't worry. Yeah. D- and so we talked to the, And this is a great TMS. And it wasn't just one. There was three or four that we used during my tenure. It doesn't work. The the transportation management system, and it's not the TMS's fault that somebody didn't enter in information, but we all had a sense that this is the way it works. And then just before COVID, I was advising a very large shipper and I was working with a number of 3PLs because we were helping pick a 3PL. And they all said, oh, don't worry, our system does that. And I was like, I would be super impressed and super happy if it did, but I'm going to bet it doesn't. And they don't, and it's, again, it's not the trans, it's not the turbos of the world that are causing this grief. They're great, but you got to put the information in. So it's that <laughs> garbage in, garbage out. And more likely it's not garbage. It just didn't get something that it needed like proof of delivery. So if I don't have a proof of delivery notification, the system just says, I don't know,
1: never delivered. it." Yeah. It's still open. Yeah, that's, that, I think that the challenge that we see is these systems don't talk to each other, right? You've got, you're either dependent on a human being whose responsibility it is to update systems like arrival, departure times and reason codes and various status updates, or you're reliant on EDI, which is obviously not uh, perfect method of transmission data transmission we see about you know 20 to 30 percent of EDI messages uh, are need to be updated after the fact it was either the message failed uh, and aired out or there was additional context that came up after the execution of the shipment or the original entry point of the the data from the carrier that caused them to need to change it right so yeah we what that leads to is a gap between the carrier's source of truth or their understanding of performance versus the shippers. We saw it every day in my experience at both Echo and Uber in the industry that the shippers are sending over scorecards that say, hey, you're at 85% on time, but your internal system shows you at 92 yeah. What's with this Delta?
0: Yeah. And that was another thing. I want to take a quick time out to tell you, you can now listen to the Logistics of Logistics on Wreaths Across America Radio. I'll put a link in the show notes wreaths across america provides informational inspiring content about members of the us armed forces their families and military veterans their mission is to remember honor and teach wreaths across america succeeds because of the generous support of the trucking community take a listen and please consider volunteering so getting back to it so since it didn't have all the information my team would have to go through an update so they and we would create a powerpoint presentation that we put our put together every week. And I would always say, go in. And I said, and be 100% open and honest about all these KPIs. They're not worth anything if we're hiding something. And I also told our customer, if you shoot the messenger, we'll stop coming. So don't shoot them. I want you, I want my team to be completely open and honest. And they always were. And But that's a culture you have to develop between you and your customer. If they scream bloody murder every time you say, yeah, we had a bad week, they go, oh my God, you guys suck. I I can't believe we work with you, blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, okay. Eh, Guys, just FYI, next week's numbers are going to look a lot better than this, (laughs) right? (laughs) Regardless. And I do remember though, there was um, a customer and they called me like six months after we started and she said... You know what I like about you guys? You, your numbers are exactly what we mimic yours internally until this week we're because you've been completely open and honest. That's a problem with KPIs that I could lie if the numbers aren't in the system and I can lie. And by the way, we all know sometimes there's financial incentives. So if I paid John to be 99% on time, And he's 98.5 and he's that is going to cost the company some money might cost me my job Eh, i'm just going to round this one up and change this one here none of us get better when you do that so don't do it john yeah
1: yeah if you the incentives the incentives aren't always aligned there from my experience we When we, particularly at Uber as a product manager trying to solve this pain point, because that was one of the biggest time sucks across our account management team is like, how much time people are spending scrubbing scorecards? Why are you doing this in the first place? And it's because, hey, like they show us at 85%, we show ourselves at 94. We are incentivized by either growth via revenue or volume or both. And the difference between 85 and 94 is could be millions of dollars at the next bid or getting kicked out of the network altogether, right? So it's in the carrier's best interest to put their best put forward from a service standpoint, right? That's the kind of way that you can stand out and and grow your wallet share with a, a given shipper.
0: Yeah. And so much of it also is if I'm working with you and you're moving my freight, I'm the shipper. I can say, John, you did very poorly last week. You're at 85%. I'm angry at you. Your KPIs are bad. That is a very superficial way to look at the world. You could say, yeah, Joe, the reason they're so bad is because we never can unload at your location. We were there. They're like, but you can't prove that because we only have proof of delivery, right? Yeah. So there's a. I, I think you mentioned right at the beginning, collaborative. This has to be collaborative, and it can't ever be, John, you did a bad job for me. It has to be we together. Now, granted, if I gave you everything you needed to be successful and you still weren't successful, then it's another conversation. But so often, it's not just the shipper that did. It's not just the carrier or the broker that did something wrong. A lot of times, it's the shipper.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the KPIs without context don't really tell a story, right? Right. That's what triggers this avalanche of workflow. It's like, all right, 85, we're in trouble. We better figure out why right? to present our case. And we hear across our shippers and we see across the data that it's a pretty equal split of responsibility between the carrier, the shipper, and even the customer too, right? I think one of the most valuable pieces uh, or a valuable use case that we see is our shippers working internally with their facility teams, right? Or their logistics teams to say, Hey guys, you're, it takes you six hours to load these trucks when they show up on time, right? That compresses their transit time and causes them to be late. Like we can't do anything about that. That's on your team to go clean that up. Those are the kinds of insights that we're, our solution produces to help drive action and facilitate those conversations
0: and collaborations. Yep. I'm looking, I got an email from Justin on your team about a few points. And so one of them here, it says how performance management has changed. So talk a little bit about how perform, and, and again, I think this is related to Amazon and how the retailers are reacting on time in, in full, all of those kind of things. So talk about how performance management has changed, hopefully the, for the better. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's from our perspective, everything changed with Amazon Prime, right? The second that we were able to click a button in our phone and then all this stuff shows up at our doorstep in 48 hours. That caused all the other major retailers, Walmart, Target, Costco, whoever, to respond, right? That was a big threat to them. But You saw Walmart introduce OTIF on time in full in uh, 2017 as a response to that, to drive accountability across their their suppliers to make sure that when we go into their stores, we get that specific brand of toothpaste that we're looking for and once walmart rolled that out then target kroger everybody else had to respond because what that caused across suppliers is this need to start prioritizing uh, orders across these shippers or across these customers right if i have multiple orders and there's a handful that don't have vendor compliance programs or penalties in the event that we don't fulfill them then i'm going to prioritize the walmart and kroger Kroger shipments over those. Nobody wanted to be the the last one without a chair when the music stops. They proliferated across the industry. And I think every major retailer has some form of vendor compliance program in place to drive accountability. And that all kicked off. I think that was all in response to Amazon Prime. And I think from a performance management standpoint, everything that changed was now all of a sudden suppliers, uh, that trickles down to suppliers in their networks, right? They're responsible for delivering to Walmart, Kroger, Target on time and in full. And part of that comes from measuring the performance of their transportation providers, right? And better understanding who they're working with, how they're performing. Are they working? Are we optimizing them the right way across our network? Should we switch up these lanes or swap out these carriers here? But I think at a minimum, they had to start measuring it, right? There was, I, I don't think there was a ton of scrutiny on Performance management or understanding those KPIs or metrics up until it became, the table stakes
0: got much more severe. Yep. And this has come up on my podcast for the OTIF on time and in full, meaning I got it there on time and everything that was supposed to be on that truck was in that truck because that is uh, a trick that some suppliers have done in the past where they said, I shipped 85% because I don't have all of it and then they'll get the rest of it later. Not a bad solution, but you pay extra for trucking when you're doing that, which might be if you have permission from your customer, go ahead and do it. But on time and in full, if you're not there, you get penalties. So that goes to the CPGs, might go to the food companies, they get that. But it's a bigger problem than just a penalty because I have stuff on my, I have customers that I compete, I'm sorry, I have uh, competitors that I compete against. In the peanut butter aisle and my peanut butter isn't there so when john gets to the grocery store he buys my competitors peanut butter and he normally buys mine and now all of a sudden he finds out he likes theirs better also from what i understand some of the re- retailers are starting to use on time and in full as a way to determine which brands they work with because if i'm working with you john and you don't have the shelves full 20% of the time, you're losing money, but more importantly, I'm losing money. <laughs> so so I'm looking at on time and in full. I penalize you for a small percentage of what I lost, and you lost even more because you didn't sell. So on time and in full isn't just a, a, we get dinged for a truck. No, you're potentially ending customer relationships, and you're letting your competitors do business with your customers. These are horrible, horrible things. Yep, absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's what I know there's a, I think it's, I forget who put out the study, It was like McKinsey or one of those major consultants, but basically said that the buyers at Walmart, Target, Kroger, and Costco all look at OTIF and delivery compliance when they're making decisions on who they work with. That's absolutely critical to make sure that those shelves are stocked.
0: Yeah, and by the way, I say this a lot lately on my podcast, but- some of the very best stores have very few SKUs. So Costco, very few SKUs. Trader Joe's, very few SKUs. Aldi's, very few. I love Target's grocery store. It's very few SKUs, this in their groceries. It's curated, but in my mind, it's the right curation. And I think about it, when you go to buy something, if they pick the right peanut butter, the one that you like, you're like, I don't care if they don't have another 30 types of peanut butter. They got the one I like. Right, yeah, who wants all that? Who wants to make all those choices, right? Just
1: uh, pick out the best stuff and limit the selection?
0: Yeah, I can see that happening. I can see stores like Walmart. I'm not, I don't know this. I'm just thinking out loud. It's a huge store. I could see them saying the store is going to be the stuff that sells on a very regular basis, that we sh- that basically leaves the store every day. And anything that's a little rare, let's just say, ethnic food that doesn't sh- sell every single day. That'll be shipped out of the fulfillment side. And you could see that size of that store shrinking and the fulfillment growing. (laughs) So if you said, I I want that special spice from Vietnam, it's not on the shelf, but I know they carry it and I can get it delivered to my house tomorrow. What do I care? Anyway, I went, I took you way off track because that's what I do. (laughs) So we talked about one of the ways that, one of the ways that this is broken is basically a brand new bar and that's the Amazon bar. And they pushed us on this measurement piece, but there's another piece which it says we have bad data, inefficient collaboration, uncommon languages, no benchmarks, no way to objectively measure your strengths or your weaknesses. So speak to that. Y-
1: y- yeah, you, you brought it up in a little bit earlier when you were talking about the shipper that you were consulting with. They don't have all the inputs. They're not measuring. They've got garbage in, garbage out syndrome, right? Again, that's because, again, systems aren't speaking with one another. Context isn't being provided. But we believe that benchmarking and understanding your strengths relative to the market, understanding your performance um, relative to your peers is a, a tremendous opportunity to level up the, the system as a whole. Right. And we think that standard that starts with standardization of what you're me- measuring, right? The core set of KPIs, uh, not just uh, all the, the trailing metrics there, but um, the core set of KPIs can help everybody measure apples to apples and understand and predict the level of performance and quality that they can expect when working with their their partners, whether it be a carrier. Uh, a third-party warehousing solution, a broker, um, or a shipper even too. And that can help drive more optimized decision-making and, and of course, impact pricing as well.
0: Yep. So how do you guys fix this? We've talked about why it's broken and why there's a lack of context to your point, to our numbers. How do you guys fix it?
1: Yeah. No, good question. So um, again, our solution, um, it's collaborative in nature, right? Everybody, it's, it's a multiplayer system that allows everybody to contribute and align on a source of truth with regard to their performance in those specific KPIs. So when the dust settles, everybody's, yep, this is how we did. We, we view that as a truth. Everybody's represented in what that performance looks like there. And we're doing that across shippers, across brokers, acro- across the entire transportation system. So we, we believe that we can introduce something similar to a, a FICO score we call it an ISO score, which is basically an objective measurement of reliability oh, I love and it. trustworthiness. Yeah. You can start to see the pun intended with the name, right? Of the company.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting about that is years ago, I was talking to a trucking company and they said, yeah, you can look at our credit score, but you can't compare it to a, a retailer. You can't compare it to a bank. You have to compare it to other trucking companies. And I was like, oh, okay. And they said, because we all have the same problem in the trucking business. We all have some of the similar problems. But let me ask this, John, I'm working, let's just say I'm working with a new 3PL and I'm a shipper and there's some carriers involved and we want to have a, a collaborative meeting where we look at our KPIs and I'm having maybe a broker. They're, they're putting the this scorecards together and they are missing data. And so they go, we're missing proof of delivery on this, but it was supposed to deliver Wednesday at noon. I'm gonna say it delivered at eleven fifty-nine. I can do that, right? They have to say you gotta put something in there. How do you prevent that?
1: It's a good, it's a good question, right? Our system, we're feed we're pulling in and adjusting data across across multiple systems. We can't control what people are putting in upstream. But we can start to notice little ano- uh, anomalies or outliers in wow. the data itself, right? a common uh, A common request across all of our customers is, "I have a sneaky suspicion that this carrier might be lying. Like, how many appointments are they exactly on time to? Right? The appointments at twelve o'clock, and they arrive at literally twelve o'clock every every shipment, and they spend exactly two hours loading and unloading." Uh, For every stop. So there's little um, nuances in the data that we can start to uh, measure and understand. But with a POD, uh, in that example, they should have a document or a piece of paper that supports that. If there is a discrepancy, right, like your customer saying, hey, this didn't deliver on day, they didn't drop this off until Thursday, and you're going through some sort of dispute process or hand-to-hand combat with your uh, customer logistics team, (laughs) you can say, hey, carrier, back this up with some proof, provide some documentation, attachment that says, that in fact supports that.
0: Yep. I want to take a quick time out to tell you about my friends over at Greenscreens. That's greenscreens.ai. Greenscreens is a dynamic pricing technology for the truckload spot market that delivers buy and sell side market intelligence to help brokers and 3PLs grow and protect their margins. Freight brokers and 3PLs using green screens gain the following advantages. Faster pricing for both buy side and sell side transactions. Pricing that is more accurate and more likely to win profitable business. Guys, dynamic pricing is the next killer app. Hundreds of freight brokers are already using it because it enables them to develop faster, more accurate quotes. This is the time. Check out green screens in the show notes, greenscreens.ai. Getting back to it, this is a little off track, but I'll, if you need to go make that dog stop barking. <laughs> I know. Sorry about that. I think he's done. My wife should be taking care of him. Guest appearance from Buzz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I heard on TV, I it was on the news, and they were talking about serial murders. Krollberger, whatever his name was, killed those kids in Idaho. Horrible. And somebody said, we don't really have serial murders anymore. And I was like, whoa, wait, what, when did that happen? I didn't hear this. It wasn't front page news. And this forensic person said, we now have, everyone carries their phone everywhere. So we now have you pinging against towers. Truckers have that same thing. We also have cameras everywhere. And so you're caught on camera. But now we also have DNA. Now, we're not going to be able to use DNA on uh, whether the stuff delivered on time. But what's very interesting is they said it's almost impossible now not to be caught by your phone, a camera. And by the way, when I say phone, it's also your car. And so what's interesting is we do have all these internet of things and we do have cameras everywhere. So are you guys eventually going to be able to pull from some like internet of things, or as I like to call it, internet of trucking into your system? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Our vision is to connect with as many of those things as possible to create like a DNA strand of what happens with an order and a shipment, right? There's all sorts. We pull in visibility info today,
0: visibility data from whether it's four kites or P44. Okay. So that can be really instructive because if I, if I say, yep, it delivered just on time and they say, That's funny. You you put it down there, but it didn't get picked up until this time. Or we have you at a toll at this time. Or whatever the information is that you pull and say, this contradicts what you're saying. Yeah. Or my yard, right? You have my yard. Right. Yeah. No, we think uh, there's a, a great opportunity to
1: automate a lot of the workflow involved in contextualizing these things and like settling these disputes or investigations by pulling in third party data systems. Right. So we mentioned visibility, but beyond that, you can pull in weather data traffic data to help contextualize what happened around a specific shipment, right? And root cause it based on the data that you can collect from technology rather than having
0: a, a human come in and do that forensic online. Again, you're asking, you're putting people in a really bad position because they don't have good information. And of course, if they have to guesstimate, they're going to guesstimate to their the, the thing that helps them the most. Yeah. And by the way, if I know that... John and his team over at ISO are the overlords and looking at what I'm doing, I'm going to be less likely to fudge those numbers.
1: We're, we're firm believers that you can't, you can't manage what you don't measure and you can't measure what you don't monitor.
0: So it starts with paying attention. So let's talk about how we would use this. So let's just say somebody hears you on my podcast and says, I want this. I'm a freight broker. I want this because it'll help us do a better job measuring and also help us build that collaboration that we want around the KPIs with our shippers. And by the way, I would suggest, and I don't know this to be true, you tell me that this is probably a nice uh, differentiator for companies that are using it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you look at the market right now, the prices are deflated, trucks are growing on trees. It's pretty difficult to differentiate, but you have to lean into service. In a market like this so leveraging iso to have this kind of neutral third-party data from switzerland that helps uh, paint a, a healthy picture of what your overall service and performance looks like is a really strong differentiator in the eyes of a shipper
0: so how do you start with a freight broker if they call and say i want this help me
1: basically if you have a tms you're qualified we have a couple different integration options, uh, but yeah, we'll walk walk their team through obviously the core product functionality and all the value props, and and then work with their technical teams on on a data ingestion kind of process and workflow. But uh, yeah, it's pretty simple. We've got some
0: APIs that they can develop to. Are you already integrated into some transportation management systems?
1: We are. Our solution is we are in the kind of like very middle to late stages with two of the leading uh, broker TMS platforms. And then we've got a number of brokers with proprietary TMSs that are integrating and building to our APIs right now.
0: Yeah. So it's now, I think all the transportation management systems are built, the newer ones, I think like the turvos of the world are built with the idea that we're going to make integrations easy. And I'm sure you guys have that API that, so even if somebody says you're not my transportation management system yet, you would integrate, I'm assuming, because you're going to have future customers?
1: Yeah, um, we've got uh, some flexible um, options uh, from an integration standpoint. we are focused on. We did take a targeted approach with our go-to-market, but we're willing to work with any broker and figure out the the best way to to get them onboarded. Because again, oh, one connection, and then that's pretty much reusable across anybody else that we bump into.
0: So, yep, I can see us getting to a place sooner rather than later where there is going to be no scrubbing of the data afterwards. It's going to be objective data and touching it would be more tampering than anything else. And I can see where somebody says, I'm not going to ask you to provide that. I'm going to ask the system to provide it, which when I say the system, ISO. This is, you said Switzerland. I don't, I need a referee here that is completely objective. Right. Yeah, no, that's
1: music to our ears. Uh, we hope we get to that future sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, well, it makes sense though. The idea that we, we right now have the he said, she said, and I think most shippers and their, either their carriers or their brokers, I think those are usually pretty good relationships. And I think the vast majority of people want to be honest, want to be open. But let's face it, we've all had customers who don't make it easy to say, whoops. <laughs> and so we we don't want to get the boss mad, we don't want to get the customer mad. So we tweak it a little bit. We massage the data ever so slightly and it looks so much better and everybody's going to go home happy. The problem is we're not being objective. We're not being honest and we're not going to get better. Cause if you don't look at, and it's funny, what if you went to your doctor and got some blood work and then, and then he didn't want to upset you. So says, I'm just gonna change this for John. He'll be happier. <laughs> and then you jump on the scale and they say. Uh, that's off we're going to we're going to take 10 pounds off that and you're like oh cool <laughs> right? yeah that's not helpful it's it no. makes you happy but it's not helpful yep doesn't solve the problem yep i like what you said also about this at some point you'll have objective data on not just one broker but there's 20,000 brokers out there at some point you're going to be able to say i have pretty good data on everybody and i think you tell me at some point you guys will be able to to help shippers select the right brokers based on the data.
1: Yeah, there's de- certainly, uh, certainly an opportunity, a path to that, right? You can see it, see a world where you've got visibility into shipper networks and where they're overperforming or underperforming. And if you have visibility to high performers on those underperforming lanes, you can uh, open, the, open the door to making those introductions and facilitating that. But we're, our, our interests are in staying neutral and definitely not moving into the brokerage or service space whatsoever. That is
0: something that we made very clear and established across
1: across the company when we started the business.
0: Yep. I love what you guys are doing because it is a big problem. And again, I think there's probably people listening to this podcast who are saying, oh no, our TMS will do that. Our TMS gives you all the information. You don't have to do anything with a third party, but I'm here to tell you, you do. Unless something has radically changed in the last few years, you do need that third party who doesn't have a, a horse in the race. Yeah, that's right. We we believe the same. And, and I
1: think the the neutral kind of third-party verified set of data goes a long way with customers and a sales standpoint, right? We talk to hundreds of shippers who say they get a thousand phone calls uh, a week from every broker who says they're the best at everything. They do everything under the sun and they say says who? Like, how do I actually evaluate you objectively? That doesn't really exist.
0: That's a, yeah. Are you going to be Yelp for brokers and shippers? Yelp for logistics? Yeah. You can see a world
1: where that happens.
0: Yeah. And again, I think we're all looking for this information. Why do people go to Gartner? Why do they go to Forrester? They're looking because they say, I don't buy this every year. Every 25 years, when I look at a new transportation management system, I'm struggling. And now when you look at the importance of picking the right logistics partner is that can be the difference between success and failure in business. And we all saw that during COVID. This is a, a great thing you've created. And I always say this I talk to a lot of people who are doing kind of the same thing as the other guys on the, in the business, but this is the first time I've talked to someone doing what you guys are doing.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And yeah, no, I think we're unique in the space at the moment
0: and we're really excited about the opportunity. Yep. So. Final thoughts on this, why your KPIs are broken with my friend John Stoffer. Tell us why they're broken and tell us how you can fix them.
1: Uh, yeah, no, good question. Yeah. I think that there's a, there's an element to contextualizing that data. KPIs on their own aren't powerful enough, right? They don't tell the full story. Collecting that context and understanding the why behind the what is critical to drive action and help understand how to improve whatever processes or systems you're looking to drive. We, and that's effectively what our solution does, right? We help you understand the why behind the what and ultimately how much it costs your business from a financial impact so that you can optimize decisions based on whatever behaviors or outcomes you're looking to achieve. So I think that's in a nutshell how we help solve that problem. Yep. And who's
0: your sweet spot?
1: Anybody anybody with a TMS is our sweet spot, whether you're a broker or a shipper,
0: we can work with you. I love it. I love it. So I like to interview smart, interesting people like you, John, who are killing it in this space. Who else should I interview? Uh, Yeah,
1: you mentioned invoice accuracy uh, a little bit earlier in the podcast. And uh, that made me think of a friend of mine, Matt McKinney. He's the co-founder and CEO of Loop. And they are addressing that problem directly head on. And they've got a lot of success. So that would be
0: a, a good, I think, a good introduction. I will reach out and talk to him. I I know of him. We're connected on LinkedIn. I just haven't had him on the podcast yet. So what conferences will we see you and the fine folks from ISO at?
1: Yeah. So coming up immediately, we're going to the North American supply chain executive summit in Phoenix in early September. And then we'll be at the McLeod user conference the following week also in Phoenix, but then we're off to CSCMP. I think it's in Orlando or Atlanta. I'm not sure which one. We'll be at Future of Freight Waves. And then we are also probably going to the E2 Open conference in Orlando in September
0: as well. Very nice. You guys are busy. (laughs) We're busy. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link to your website and any other links you and your marketing team give me. I'll put those in the show notes. And John, thank you so much for taking the time. I love what you guys are doing. Yeah, no. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. This was fun. Yep. It sure was. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward.